0: in the in the moment you don't realize that football will always be secondary later on in life um and that what westcon gave me more than all americans and trophies and all that stuff was a way to make a living and also the best friends i'll have for the rest of my life and I, i think that's you can't put a price tag on that
1: All right,
2: coming at you in 3, 2, and 1. Welcome, everybody, to WestCon Football Podcast. Bart Pasterna with you, the legendary coach, Joe Loth. Pooch, behind the glass. Hello. We have Greg Boucher checking in with us on this week's episode, which is good, good stuff. One of the most determined, most focused, most important players in the history of WestCon Football Coach Loth.
1: Yeah, I was unfortunately not able to watch him play, but I've seen film on him. Uh, I know Greg, he's a great guy, but he was a great, great player here. He's on a record board, but he was a dominant guy. And one of the, one of the main reasons they were as good as they were in a playoff caliber team, one of, the, one of many reasons, but he was such a really good player here.
2: And Post, his Western Connecticut State University student-athlete career has done so well for himself, wonderful family guy. So we're going to get to talk to you him about all that stuff. But first and foremost, coming off another W, baby, two in a
1: row. Yeah, it was a hard-fought win against Westfield. You know, once again, is hopefully a great learning game for us. Uh, started a little slow in offense and uh, played well in the second quarter. And uh, really, you know, we've been up big two, game, two games in a row at halftime, and we haven't really learned how to, you know, I guess the term is knock out a team in the second half. We kind of like teams kind of crawl back in a little bit. And defensively, kind of the same script as the week before, played really well in the first half and, and kind of that same thing, but a team kind of called back and made it more of a competitive fourth quarter than it should have been. So we definitely have a lot of things to learn from this game, but we're definitely making progress, uh, starting to get our special teams down to where we need to get them. That was a concern early. And uh, so, you know, every season you're trying to sharpen things up, get things better, you know, round it, round squared edges and stuff like that. So definitely a work in progress still.
2: Yeah, and and you've had to do it on the road, let's point out. Uh, But in that game, you get some, you know, you get some Giller, Thriller, Dillers. Uh, Blasky gets cooking. Your receivers are in sync. And and so given some lapses here or there, uh, you've been working on stuff. And I think the team is in a good position when you finally at least get to return home for a weekend.
1: Yeah, you know, you know, I left that game, and my one thought was, we have a chance to be really good this year. We're not there right now, but if we can correct a couple things, especially on the offensive side of the ball, we have a chance to be really dynamic on offense this year. And we got to get those correct. And in defense, like I said, running a new defense this year, it was good playing a team that threw the ball around a little bit because uh, you need to be exposed at times. You've got to see what your flaws are. And uh, Westfield was able to throw the ball a little bit, but we needed a team to throw the ball on us because Bridgewater's, you know, t- our upcoming team's going to throw, throw the ball on us a lot.
2: I know there, you mentioned things that are, uh, you know, you're working on. Um, I know offensive line is one of them, building up the depth there, getting guys more experience there. And that, in effect, will, will be, I think, maybe, maybe, just me saying, the biggest part of the chain reaction for making that as effective as you want to be that oh.
1: No, you hit it right on the head. That was been our focus all week is how do we correct some of the mental, little mental stuff offensive line-wise, little uh physical stuff, stepping with the right step or stepping, you know, with getting your second foot in the ground. There's so many little things with the offensive line. And that's the the, the really you hit it right on the head. That's our focus is just cleaning up our offensive line to the point where we think we're talented there. That how do we you know, tie it all together, and that's you know that's our missing piece of the offense right now.
2: Well, coming up, we're going to have Greg Boucher join us. A little blast from the WestCon past, and then we're going to deal and delve a little bit into the upcoming opponent for Homecoming Weekend, Hall of Fame Weekend. Bridge Water State is coming to the Hat City. And the Wolves are chomping at the bit. WestCon Football Podcast, Bart Bisterna, Coach Joe Loft, Pooch behind the glass. We shall return with Mr. Boucher here for you. Stick around. Podcast is brought to you by Tactical Construction Services LLC. It's a local business, veteran-owned and operated, that has been in business since 2005. Over 15 years of experience, they specialize in all your home improvement exterior needs and guarantee you a job well done. All the way from roofing and siding to windows. They're your guys. They strive to exceed the homeowner's expectations each and every time to get the job done the way you want it. They work in a timely fashion and always pay attention to detail, proudly serving Danbury and the surrounding areas. They're claim specialists. They provide free estimates. Call them today. The phone number, 203-460-2400. That's 203-460-2400. 460-2400. You can email them, info at tacticalconstructionsvcs.com. That's info at tacticalconstructionsvcs.com. Or stop by their local offices, across some student lanterns right on Federal Road. Returning to the Wisconsin football podcast, Bart Bisterna, the legendary coach Joe Loth, and we have man, myth, and legend himself, in Greg Boucher. Man, it's good. It's good to see you. You haven't aged one bit, big fella.
0: I, I appreciate that very much. I'll pass it on to my wife. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to, to get Greg on here today because he was a guy that I coached here in the mid 90s and then I missed Greg and I obviously I came back after but I heard a lot about Greg Boucher, how good he was. Saw some clips of him and stuff like that. So it's exciting to get one of the best player that's ever played at Western Connecticut on the podcast. Today. Ooh,
2: no doubt about it. And in, in, in the
1: in the dictionary next to the word
2: intensity, there's a picture of Greg right there because he was without without question one of the most focused Intense players who ever hit the gridiron for Westcon. Period. Period. So, Greg, Uh, what
0: have you you, you been up to, baby? uh, Not much. Uh, You know, long removed from the the Westcon days, that's for sure. Um, But I'm married, two children, and uh, I'm a correction officer. Been doing that for about 10 years now and uh, halfway home to retirement. So, (laughs) that's really it. Trying to uh, just and still the things that I've learned throughout my life onto my children. I, I got two boys, and um, they're not doing football right now. They're doing soccer. So I'm, I'm taking a, a big interest in that and just coaching them as best I can. And uh, like I said, you know, passing those lessons along you know, where and when I can with so, them.
1: So how is your soccer knowledge to, to be able to coach your kids?
0: You know, Surprisingly, not a lot of people know. My whole life I played soccer okay. up until high school because I was always too big back then to play Pop Warner. Otherwise, I'd have to play like – two or three years above. Yep. So I played soccer my whole life up until high school. So it, it's a, a pretty decent knowledge. You know, I mean, I definitely, I don't fit the typical soccer coach mold. Um, but yeah, I have a little bit, That's at good. least enough to, to help them along.
2: Well, I, I have to say that, you know, just just saying, hey, besides a great football program, we have an excellent men's soccer program here. at That's at true. West Coast. Just
0: one of the best just, in the country. Yeah. Yes, one of the best. Will, uh, we'll put that on the back burner and see how the next few years turn
1: out. <laughs> so, oh. Gre- so Greg, uh, obviously a great high school player. Uh, no, I've heard some of the stories about how good you're in high school, and and even uh, you had a cool story I saw on Facebook last week about the All Star Game coming out your senior year, not being yeah. invited and all that stuff. So, recruiting wise, uh, what was your path to Western Connecticut? Recruiting wise,
0: um, so. About my junior year, I really wasn't—I um, didn't really live up to the hype that I was as an athlete until about my junior year in high school. Um, so I was a little late in the process. Um, about my junior year, I started getting some attention. I made—I made, I made all state as as a defensive tackle, but I, I was the—you know—the big fullback and everything. And um, around that time, I started getting some some notoriety from colleges, and some some bigger colleges came to look at me. And uh, unfortunately, I, I didn't really have an academic plan um, going through school, you know, I had a learning disability and I never really took my academics seriously. I always thought, you know, athletics would be the path forward. Um, so when those schools came and knocking and I, you know, I took a look at my, my grades and stuff, it was, um, there really wasn't much a lot of schools could do for me. So I I ended up kind of having to, you know, move down and move down. And, um, I got kind of lost in the mix after, after a few of the schools backed away from me. And, um, i actually at one point i i remember visiting westcon as you know just back then to take a day off from schools like yeah i'll go down to danbury take a day off and you know didn't really think much of the school wasn't you know anywhere on my radar and after all these other bigger schools backed away from me I, i remember going under my bed and taking my shoebox filled of college letters and i started calling all these coaches and saying basically i got nowhere to play football and um you know being later in the process and all the schools had already pretty much given away their, their money and their spaces. And I, I picked up Westcon's letter and I said, you know, what the hell? I'm, I'm going to call up and I got a hold of uh, John Burrell yep. and told him who I was. And he said, you know, me and Coach Servino will be there tomorrow morning. And they came to my, my little tiny apartment. My mom was about nine months pregnant with my, my little brother at the time. And they sat in my kitchen and basically Coach Servino said, we're not leaving until you, you come to Westcon, and And that was that was a story. That's how I ended up there.
1: Yeah, that's a good story. You mentioned, Greg,
2: you had a, a learning disability, and, and not that it necessarily gets corrected. People always say, that, oh, there must be a cure, there must be this, there must be that. How, uh, how was the process for you to get past that so you could achieve at the next level uh, of education and eventually be in a situation where you are now?
0: I mean, I honestly, I think the, at the time when I was coming through school, if you were labeled, you know, a learning disability, you you were kind of just thrown into a group. So there was no individualized teaching and everything like that. So it was a big turnoff for me. You know, I was, you know, down in the the basement behind the doors with the curtains and stuff. And I kind of felt like an outcast and I I didn't really take, I didn't enjoy going to school. I didn't like learning. I I really didn't put forth the effort. I was very anti-school just because I felt like, um, I didn't really belong academically anywhere where I knew I wasn't an honor student, but I knew I wasn't needing the, you know, kind of place where they put me in school. Um, But I I really think it came down to just, you know, growing up and and putting forth the effort where, you know, I took that personal responsibility on as I kind of grew up and matured to, you know, take academics seriously and and, and help myself out. And, you know, I never, I never was one of those people that believed like I'm a stupid kid. You know, I I always kind of resented that, that grouping that you got when you were you know labeled a, a learning disability and um you know i didn't really buy that about myself
2: coach Loth brought up the that all-star game story so if that was happening to you at watertown it must have really ticked you off uh that whole situation with the all-star game Eesh.
1: yeah you want to go into that for the uh for the people here? yeah
0: sure um so uh, a good friend of mine, Frank brevetti was uh, a running back with me in high school, and he ended up going on to, to play at Southern Connecticut. Um, you know, we were we were two of the top players in the state at the time, and um, he gets a letter, an invite to the state All-Star game, and I was kind of like, all right, well, where's mine? You know, I'm, I guess maybe mine will be here tomorrow or something. So I stopped in to see uh, my coach and said, hey, you know, did you get a letter for me for the All-Star game? And, and he said, no, I, I didn't see one and this and that. And so I, I just got kind of angry like wow man I didn't get invited to this game and um, at the time uh, you know a side story there was for two years running uh, Dwight Freeney I'm sure we're all familiar with Dwight Freeney Hall of Famer to be from Bloomfield uh, was the number one defensive tackle in the state, and I was number two. And obviously at the time, this is, you know, before the internet and everything was readily available, I always said to myself, like, who the hell is Dwight Freeney? You know, like, why is this guy number one and I'm yeah. number two? Um, but, you know, obviously, you know, lesson learned. But, um, you know, I always, felt, I always felt kind of slighted that I was, you know, one of the best players in the state, and, you know, why am I not playing in this all-star game? And I was just fuming. So I didn't have a car. Frank basically brought me to the to the practice down in Cheshire. And I walked up to the coach and said, hey, I'm, I'm Greg Boucher from Watertown. I didn't get an invite. I want to play. And uh, he said, geez, you know, we sent out an invite for the both of you. We never got a response back. You know, it must have been something in the mail. I said, well, you know, be that as it may, I'm here to play. They said, we don't have a spot for you. He said, you can come and play and practice. But, you know, if, if nobody gets hurt or backs out, like, I, I can't let you play. And I said, that's fine with me. And I just showed up every day and, and worked my ass off. And, uh, you know, you know, I guess – not fortunate for that player, but some ended up getting hurt and, and having to drop off and it worked out for me. And I took a spot and, you know, I just, I just played a whole, that whole week of practice with a chip on my shoulder. And I, I played that game with a chip on my shoulder. And, you know, I, I mean, this is years ago, but I remember I made about, you know, the first five or six tackles and had a big sack in the beginning. And it was just, you know, I just felt so angry, you know, that I, I was slighted not only in the college process, but I, I felt like, you know, that was my time to shine. And I had just, I played with that chip in my shoulder that, that whole week and into that game mvp yeah I, we were the losing team and um i was still i was awarded the mvp and uh i, I, I take away from that whole thing it was you know like i said i, I love playing fullback and i loved running the football and uh they actually gave me a chance to carry the ball it was like a fourth and eight and they bring me in and i'm like oh obviously everyone that stay stands know you know the 280 pound fullback is getting the ball but uh fortunately i i broke a few tackles and i picked up the first down but that was Personally, one of my highlight moments of the day was getting to run the ball.
1: Now, uh, how much did you beg Coach Servino uh, and Coach Race to carry the
0: ball in college? Um, I mean, well, they had pretty much told me when I got there. We had a, we had a pretty good slew yeah. of fullbacks. Uh, John Gagliardi yeah. Yeah. and Ben Labelle were fullbacks, yeah. so the, the need for me really wasn't there. But you know, I always threw it out there. You know, <laughs> hey, you know, it would look great with you know me blocking for Ben Labelle, you know, and and stuff like that, and. My senior year, uh, Sirace actually mentioned it to me. And then I, I think somebody said, oh, geez, you know, if what if one of these linebacker comes in and, and takes out my knee on the lead block and, and then what? You know, and that got put to bed real fast. So I, I unfortunately never got to carry the ball, but that, that would have been a dream of mine. Yeah. yeah.
2: You, you would have been West County's equivalent of the fridge then?
0: You know, that that wouldn't be the first time people have, uh, you know, made that uh, correlation about me, calling me the fridge. Wait. We'd
2: have to come up with a with a different different name. Yeah, yeah, you know,
0: that's fine.
2: I mean, uh, fridge, yeah, yeah. And you, to <laughs> me, you know, you're you're more you're beyond that.
0: Yeah, well, I appreciate that. You'd
2: be the whole kitchen, you know, <laughs> not the fridge. Well, yeah, know. the fridge, the, the, fridge, the stove. Yeah,
1: <laughs> fridge was pretty big. He's three fifty. I don't know if Greg was three fifty. Wow,
2: never made it up there. They, 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 well, no, but you you. You played like it, and certainly pancaked enough people <laughs> in your in your time. What was what was your you know? I don't want to ask you for an exact favorite moment, but what were what were some of your fondest teams to line up against during your time at WestCon?
0: I mean, I always I always preferred playing the Jersey schools. I think that's where you know there was a lot of the you know more talented kids there for at our level. There was, you know, bigger, bigger athletes and and, there were a bigger, faster brand of football. And there was always this kind of, you know, coming out of Connecticut that you weren't you didn't play against Jersey teams. You weren't as good as the Jersey schools or the New York schools. And it was a different brand of football. So I I always enjoyed playing against, you know, the Montclair, Rowan, Jersey City, schools like that, William Patterson. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed seeing seeing those athletes out there and stuff. And, you know, having a lot of kids at Westcon that played in jersey that you know they always knew that this kid or that kid or you know he could have should have would have went here and stuff so I, I i always enjoyed playing against the jersey schools
2: the guys who notoriously fell through the cracks in those yeah. uh, in those jersey schools
1: and if i recall yep. if i recall coach servino used to talk fondly of the jersey schools back in the day
0: too right <clears throat> yeah yeah he was he always had <laughs> a uh <laughs> <a> little <laughs> saying <laughs> <for> them, <laughs> right? yeah 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 it's a, it's a PG show, correct? <laughs> yeah, it
1: is. <laughs> <laughs> now, now let's talk about some uh, some big wins, you know, because obviously you're in a golden era of Western Connecticut football, the second, second golden era of football, right? Uh, so uh, biggest wins, I mean, what were you what, – what do you look back on and say, man, that was a great win? You still think about it.
0: I, I mean, you know, my whole sophomore year, you know, going undefeated and, and just making that transition that we did from kind of a – you know, a 5-5 five and five team that was perennially, you know, underachieving. It's, it felt like for the amount of athletes and the amount of talent that we had come through there compared to the other schools, I, you know, that was kind of the the stigma so, on us that we so, underachieved.
1: So, Greg, let's stay right there. Why? Yep. What, what happened? What What happened from the, the, the year before to that year?
0: So my, my freshman year when I came in, you know, I was still trying to get my bearings, but I just kind of felt like there really wasn't any unity in a team. Um, we just had a lot of, you know – you know, division amongst players, offense, defense, black, white, um, you know, there was rifts in the coaching and, and it was just kind of like a lot of people were just weren't happy being at WestCon and didn't really buy into the program. And, you know, that offseason, I think a lot of us kind of did some self-reflection and looked at ourselves and said, we're, we're too good for this, you know, and if we're going to be here and be at this school and, and make this place our home, like why, why, why not be good? Why not be great? And, um, you know there wasn't a lot of buying into the off season and getting better and stuff like that, I think prior to me being here. but that transition from my freshman year to my sophomore year, there was a lot of players buying into the whole the whole process, buying into you know not only doing what you have to do to get academically eligible and, and stay eligible but you know taking care of your business in the weight room and and around campus and the big thing too was the recruiting um players taking that personal responsibility into what do I got to do to get these players here. You know, the coaches did the recruiting and told us, Hey, you know, we got this linebacker from Jersey or we got this kid from here or, you know, and it was making that personal connection with them, talking to them and and really laying out the plan. Cause I mean, it's hard to sell to some kids, you know, especially kids from Jersey and New York that aren't familiar with Western and, and, you know, look down on division three football. And it's hard to sell those kids like, Hey, come here, we're, we're doing something. And we were able to you know, especially going from a team that was five and five. Uh, so a lot of a lot of good young players on coming to Western and be part of the rebuild.
1: How, how soon did you know that was going to be a special year?
0: I just think that looking back on that freshman year and what we had coming back. Now I'm saying
1: um, it, I'm saying it's your sophomore year. You go undefeated. Yeah. How was it camp? Was it week one? Was it week two when all of a sudden you guys looked around and said, you know what? We're pretty good this year.
0: I I think it was before that. I I think when we, that that off season and just seeing everybody kind of come together. And and like I said, we, we were like brothers. We, we lived together. We trained together. Nobody went home in the off seasons. Nobody took vacations. You know, a few kids went on spring break, but we just all year round, we were there putting in the work. And I just felt, I just felt like this was going to be it. I mean, it was a similar transition I made in high school. And I just felt like, you know, you could look at somebody and say, you know, to to inspire them to be better. And we, there was a lot of kids that were just, bought into being better and we did those things and it, I just had that feeling like, you know, just we just gotta get out there on the field and prove it. We're gonna we're gonna be good. We're gonna we're we're gonna make these things happen.
1: Yeah. So once again back to the game. So what games are you looking at and say, man right now you're looking back and say, man, I remember that game.
0: Yeah. Um I, I think when we went down to Montclair my sophomore year, um, they were ranked in the uh country I, I wanna say they were like fourteenth and we were you know 24th or 25th we just cracked and it's been you know probably since the the 80s that we were you know ranked in the country and everything and um the year before montclair kicked our butts i mean they absolutely embarrassed us We, some reason i don't know who or why but we scheduled them on homecoming and we got absolutely embarrassed and just manhandled and and the, the running back the kid ron lewis uh-huh. i don't know, i won't forget his name he um you know he had like 120 yards on like four carries and we had his helmet and pads off by the second quarter and you know, even though we knew we improved, like that was the, the the mark. Can we go down there and compete with these guys that that literally wiped the floor with us the year before? And they were like us; they brought back pretty much their whole team. And we went down there in the Jersey and their turf, and there was a couple thousand people there, and it was a good environment under the lights. And you know, they kind of looked like, oh, we, we're going to run through these guys again. And we went out there and. You know, I, I just think all phases of the game. We played our best football, and we came out with a, you know, I think it was like twenty-four to fourteen win, and then that to me was like the the pinnacle. Like, yep. we can compete. We can do this. Yep. You know, it's it's a different brand of football down there. We went down there and we went toe to toe, and we came out on top.
2: Yeah. I gotta, I have to say, that when you talk about leaders, Greg certainly one of Con's football leaders during his time, I've always believed that it, you don't necessarily have to be the most talented or one of the best. Uh, leaders are are leaders. And you, I, I think you had a mixed bag uh, of guys who ended up being leaders on those teams during your time.
0: Yeah, like, like I said, not everybody has to be the you know, the, the All-American or, or the quarterback or, or the rah-rah guy or, you know, the big cheerleader and stuff. And there's a lot of different ways to lead. And we had a lot of different characters who assumed those roles. You you, you had those guys that were your, your front line, your big voice players that can get up in front of the team and address the team and, and have everyone's attention. And then you had guys that just kept their mouths shut, you know, didn't make any noise and just worked their butts off and did everything that was asked of them. And I've always found personally um, – the most inspired by those players um that you know it it was easy for me at times I I could have you know dialed it in and 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 not had to work hard and I didn't have to worry about my spot being up for grabs or not being able to play but those kids that had to show up and that were fighting for a spot and and didn't get the you know the treatment that that I may have gotten that worked their butts off and didn't those I was inspired by those kids those guys that came there day in and day out and grinded and 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 did everything that was asked of him—a position change or grab a spot on special teams—like to me, those were those were the guys that were putting in the work that inspired me.
1: I tell you what, Bart. You know what I love about Greg Boucher is—and I never coached him, but I would love to coach him—is how competitive he is. Like right now, like last year, we posted like who's the sack all-time sack leader at Western Connecticut, and it was a guy named Jamie Prontine. I just posted the sacks, and Greg's like, "Wait a minute." I might be the all-time stacker, like, still competitive. I guarantee in his life, everything he does, he's competitive, and uh, and obviously it, it translated. But I love that about you, Greg, as far as just – man, you're a fighter in everything you do, and it's still – I mean, it translates right now.
0: Well, I, I don't think, you know, that DNA ever leaves us. You know, I mean, that kind of you know. – I'm sure you're the, the same way in your, your life, you know, from football to coaching to being a – like, I, I – I want to be the best at everything I do. And I've always had since I was a child, if there was something that I couldn't get right athletically, well, how do I get better at that? And I've always kind of put my work into those things. And you know, and it it does hurt. And I, I, I envy you coaching because you're still around and you're still able to, you know, have that competitive nature. And how do I get people better? Because when we leave the game, like that part of us, kind, of, we have to find other ways to, you know, get that out of ourselves and enjoy that it's tough it's definitely a tough transition when you hang up the cleats and you have that competitive nature and and that fight to to be better and have something to work for constantly and you know at some point you know when my kids are old enough i would love to get into football again and and you know one day coach my son and if if he chooses soccer then I'll, i'll but i would definitely love to get back into the 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 football training and being around football again because you know, I've had a couple little stints of that, you know, the high school level and everything. But it, it, like I said, it is that competitive nature that I don't think that ever leaves us.
1: Yeah, I assume you're like myself. Like, I have two sons, both in college right now, and I was a no mercy coach, no mercy father. I Meaning, we played driveway basketball from the time they could shoot a basketball, and we played last night. Like, we play still play in the summer. And my all-time record against both of them was probably like 186 and two, up until two years ago. <laughs> and now I'm like this summer. I bet you I'm four and thirty against those guys. I can't. I can barely beat my sons. It's like once every five. But but it's a no mercy competitive. How do you teach your kids to be competitive? And and uh, I'm I'm assuming Greg, you're going to be very similar to me in that kind of aspect with your kids.
0: Well, I, I mean, in a lot of ways, I am already. You know, and I said even just excuse me. You know, I, I coached. Um, you know, youth soccer for my son. And I, I just think the generations right now are, are a little bit removed from, you know, the hard work ethic, you know, the discipline, the tough coaching. We've gotten away from that. And, you know, obviously there's a, a fine line. You know, we're, we're talking about seven, eight year olds or how hard we're pushing <laughs> them. But I think, I think a lot of the, uh, the parents, it was a breath of fresh air to see that, you know, kids can be held to a standard even though they're younger. They could, they could learn work ethic and responsibility and, and go out there and, be pushed and be disciplined and um i I try to instill that into my my oldest one now and you know i I give the kid all the credit in the world and and i know he's you know at this age right now he's a he's a decent little athlete and he's out there but what i'm most proudest of him is his work ethic you know i watch him out there and that's something that i always um you know prized in myself was i was never gonna quit i was never gonna give up i would never lay down the game was never over never out of reach and then I kind of given that to him, you know, because I, I don't think that's a skill you could you could train somebody, you could teach somebody, that that no quit in the dog, and and he has that, and and you know, I'm, that's what so I'm proudest of him, him.
2: So I'm dealing with two great Santinis here.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> in the no, 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 and I and I admire it because Coach Loth will tell you numerous times I've gone off the rail on the on the podcast about. Uh, you know, how uh, how we're dealing uh, with our kids. And, you know, they, they just did a, another, one of the publications just did another thing glorifying the expanded state high school football playoffs, uh, Greg. And you know and I know with consolidation of some high school programs, um, there ultimately can only be a few reasons why you expand the state playoffs when you have less teams than you used to have in the past. Number one, somebody figures they can make a nickel on it uh-huh. off the backs of kids. And number two, um, how, can, how can we give every kid a trophy? Uh, you know, and, and that's the kind of thing that has always upset me because along the way, it takes away from learning about work ethic, putting in your time to get better. I'm not saying you drive kids into the ground and make them go nuts about it. I'm just saying learn to respect the sport, learn to play the sport, and if you can grow in the sport, that's that's great, that's wonderful. But handing things... That that was for the days of T-ball or or whatever. That's when you handed stuff. That's when. But as you get into that that upper level, you know, you're dealing with high school or whatever. You know, it's just like it's just like being on the debate team. It's serious business here.
0: Well, I I mean, I think you're you're kind of driving at, you know, something that we're experiencing right now, and not just in you know sports, but in, in life and. We're, we're, we're creating a generation of kids that are getting handed things and get cut to the front of the line and, and making life easier for them. I, I think there's just as much to be learned and, you know, taken on in losing than there is in winning. And I, I say this to my son a lot that, you know, when he gets upset after a, a tough game and I could see the tears in his eyes and I see some of the other kids just laughing without a care in the world. And I, I stop him. I say, look around, you're crying. You're upset because you lost and that's okay. You, it's okay to lose. It's how you come back from losing and how you build to be better and how you, you take on that loss that's going to motivate you to, to be better. And I think by, you know, like you said, handing out these trophies and, and making everybody a winner and to not have to go through those tough times, we're really not preparing these kids because obviously not everyone's going to go on to college. Not everyone's going to go on to play professionally. So the vast majority of these people playing these sports are going to be you know, working nine to five somewhere. And if we're not preparing them for the real world, where, you know, bosses have deadlines to meet and stuff like that, and we're pushing on this. Everybody wins. Don't worry about it. It's okay not you know, not to have your best day. We're, not, we're, not, we're, we're kind of doing a disservice to this generation athletically and, and, and you know, in, in the workforce.
1: Well, I think that's where college football, and all probably college sports, uh, it's the one I coach, football, is so unique in that it's one of the true last meritocracies in the world. Like I feed my family by winning football games. Like I'm going to play the guys that I think are going to help us win this week and this year, Uh, and that's who you play in football. And you got to earn your spot. And we actually have a team rule, rule number four: make us make me play you, or make us play you. And if you're not starting, don't complain to your mom, don't complain to your girlfriend. Don't look at your teammates and say, man, coach, is jobbing job in me here. Make us play you. Do something in practice to make us play you because we're trying to win football games here. And uh, so I think it's it's a unique experience in football. And I told my wife, my wife didn't want my kids to play high school football. And they played a week, my oldest played a week of high school football, played in ninth grade for the first time. And he came back after a week and really got yelled at for the first time, stand behind the line here. the whole team's going to run. It was great for him. And socially, he got out of his shell. He was—he's an academic kind of a nerdy kid growing up. And all of a sudden, he had his nerdy friends over here, and he had his football friends over here. Socially, it developed him. I think I loved having the fact that someone yelled at him to stand behind the line, or you're going to make the whole team run. And it just—I think the discipline and accountability of playing college athletics and high school athletics is irreplaceable in our society. That's me on my
0: socks i came across um and i always bring it up when i was coaching and, and just in, in day-to-day life i came across a quote from a college coach wasn't anybody you know it wasn't like uh nick saban or anybody like that but it was just some you know random college coach and he said uncoachable kids grow up to become unemployable adults <laughs> and, and i i really i really think as it you know that's it, it, it's so true that when you you go through sports and you're able to be critiqued and you know you know handled roughly and, and demanded to be better and do better for yourself and those around you, that's the kind of you know guy I want to work with. That's the kind of person I want working with me. Um, someone that could you know work harder and understand that you know not everything's going to be perfect and sugar coated and, and taken with kid gloves. You know,
2: and he, to the I'll bring up a, another. Anonymous coach who once said there's a difference between having somebody's back and always bailing somebody out. Uh, there's a huge, huge difference between that camaraderie and that team working together and somebody constantly having to take your keister out of the fire. Um, it's uh, like I said, it's different. Well, look, we're all going to calm down. <laughs> I got, right. I got one I'm going for Greg. I'm going to calm down. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to return with Greg Boucher, and we'll talk a little bit more about WestCon football and some other things because we want to let you know exactly what Greg is doing now and all that stuff when the WestCon football podcast continues. Folks, today's podcast sponsored by Vision Designs. Vision Designs, a full-service screen printing, embroidery, signage, and promotional company, offering their services to the Tri-State and New England regions. Since 2003, they've had the reputation as an industry leader in all their fields of operations. Vision Designs, proud sponsor of WestCon football and the entire program, my friends. You can contact them through their website, visiondesignsct.com. VisionDesignsCT.com, or you can call their main number, 203-778-9898, 203-778-9898. Welcome back, everybody, WestCon Football Podcast. Greg Boucher, our guest. Great to have him here, as uh, he is one of the finest football players and, I think, all-around guys to ever be at Westcon and uh, Coach, before
1: we took a break, you had something you wanted to toss at Greg. Yeah, like obviously in practice, sometimes you go against better guys in practice than games. Sometimes now, who are the guys that you played against in practice, especially in camp when you guys are going live? Sometimes doing some scrimmages. Who are the best offensive linemen you went against in in camp in practice?
0: Uh whew, that's a, um. I had some pretty good battles with Dave Wasik. um you know he was uh starting left guard for us um you know and there was times where you know i remember just being a freshman and um you know new to the whole thing and i I beat somebody and and coach uh Serace, who was the o-line coach at the time got angry he's like you know let this you know 17 year old kid beat you and he lined me up you know starting at the tackle working my way all the way down and you know i mean i won every rep but i I definitely angered some people and i I could (laughs) feel the um you know, the, the heated rivalry starting to grow. But uh, you know, I, I just think overall the competitiveness between the offensive line, the defensive line, um, you know, especially in those one on ones and stuff like that was, was, I think that was the coolest thing. Cause so I never did those in high school. We never had, you know, that type of atmosphere. And uh, I, I loved going, doing one on ones and, you know, everyone kind of circling around and you get that rep and you win and it's kind of, you know, you see the offensive line get all angry and they're, you know, <laughs> You know, yelling at each other, and coaches the, coach, the races, run over, yelling at them, and you know, we're jumping around, you know, slapping helmets, and you know, just I enjoyed that competition um, practice
2: during that that freshman year. At what point during the season did you feel you weren't a freshman anymore? Because usually it it happens. It, you know, people say, "Well, you're a freshman," then you're a sophomore. I've always believed that if someone like yourself is really progressing, there's a point in the season where that freshman tag disappears.
0: Um, You know, I I think my arrival was a little different. I I think the, um, you know, coaches kind of pumped me up coming in there. So I think there was a lot of, um, you know, older guys kind of looking to me to, you know, question, you know, is he really that good? Or, you know, is he as strong as everyone says he is? So there was a lot of uh, skeptics on the team that I had to kind of disprove uh, early. I mean, really right out of testing um you know some of the kids came up to me oh you you, you know how much could you bench or how fast are you you know so what are the and, numbers um,
1: let's hear the numbers uh
0: well my, my freshman year the testing was um i think we had to do a, a four to six rep max okay and so when i was talking to him i said you know i mean i i was a very strong kid i i was repping 400 pounds in high school yeah. so when i came to western and i had said i was like well you know i'll probably do you know 385 400 you know the guy started laughing like yeah right and i said no nah, no nah, i think that's that's what i'm going to do so um so i you know I, I put it on and i ended up doing i think it was 385 for 12 as my as my freshman year <laughs> that's pretty good. and um so that you know after after that you know it it um i think some some of the guys kind of became believers so i i felt like i didn't get the the standard freshman treatment i i think there was just a lot of um you know once i kind of proved myself that that I could kind of live up to the billing that I think, you know, coach servino and the guys gave for me, it it was, um, you know, I was, I was accepted right away. So I really didn't have to kind of go through the, uh, the typical, you know, freshman, you know, finding myself period really
1: now were you put behind someone on the depth chart or were you first seat first day?
0: Um, so I think after the first day of pads came on, they, they moved me up over, um, the late, uh, Franz, Pierre, Luis. Yeah,
1: I I recruited. Uh, I recruited Franz.
0: Okay, he was uh, he was slotted over me uh, coming in, and I I think after the first day of pads, they made that adjustment. And um, you know, which I I gave him a lot of credit. You know, he never he was a junior when I was a freshman. He never you know really complained outwardly, and he never was not the type of person to help me along because you know physically I was fine, but learning a new defense and you know going from high school where we just kind of you know, they let me just run forward and go make plays. After learning how to play a gap-style defense and, and all that stuff was kind of a new concept for me. Um, you know, he never shied away from helping me just because I took his spot. So, I mean, I, I give him a lot of credit for that. That's got to be a big, you know, lump to to swallow as a, as a junior to have a 16-year-old kid come and take your spot.
2: Now, for you, uh, the educational part became big enough and uh, you're... You mentioned you're um, you're on the on the road to retirement. It's still ways away yeah, for, yeah. for for you. I don't, I
0: don't like to go so far away, but yeah, it's 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 in horizon. <laughs> it's
2: on the horizon. But let's talk a little bit about the post Wescon Greg Boucher and what you got into and what you continue to do today
0: uh so i'm a correction officer for the state of connecticut um i work at uh, garner correctional institute in newtown uh it's a level five level four maximum security prison and what's, i've been doing four? that for 10 years
1: what's level four or five man is that toughest to use what's...
0: that's 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 maximum security okay. that's the the highest level the highest level we have in connecticut okay. and um there we deal primarily in, in mental health inmates and stuff like that so we, we've I've had, um, a very eventful, uh, career there, you know, there's, there's, a lot to do and a lot to be done, but, um, you know, where I'm finding myself right now at the halfway point, which is, it's kind of interesting that we're having this conversation is I've been doing a lot of the, the staff training and, and development there. Um, and, and that's where I'm able to kind of, you know, in a roundabouts way, still have that kind of coaching mentality, you know, with a lot of the new guys that come on, um, yeah, I take them under my wing or, you know, I'm training them and helping them and stuff. And, I, and I'm, I'm passionate about that just as I was with football, you know, I, you know, helping guys along and, and kind of motivating and inspiring people. I do that for the Department of Corrections at my facility and, and hopefully down the road at the academy level.
1: Now, is J- Jason Plashinsky at, at your guys' prison or?
0: Well, see, he, he's federal. Okay. So he's, he's down in Danbury. At the he's State in area. Danbury, okay. So, yeah, he's at the federal prison. But, I, I, you know, I, I do play with a few guys. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I work with a few guys who did play at Western over the years. Um, you know, uh, one guy I played with, and a couple guys were you know much much younger than me now that are sir, which makes me feel old that there's (laughs) there's actually uh, um, one of the guys Lionel Ossie Yeah, I don't know.
2: Yeah, Lionel Lionel was a multi multi sport guy, football guy, soccer guy, and his brother and his brother Bryce. Oh my gosh!
0: Yeah, so I went I went to school with Bryce, and um, when I came back to coach, I want to say. Uh, 2008, maybe, maybe um, I coached him. I coached uh, Lionel. Ossie. He was I mean, I, he was a running back, and I was coaching D line, but he was still there. And now I'm working with him, you know. And so I guess in some respects, I'm like the old guy there. So when people look up, and it's it kind of puts things in perspective that you know this this clock of ours is ticking. You know, we we'll
1: have to get you back uh, to Western coaching once you retire. Now
0: uh, that's oh, and I'm all for that. That'll be nice.
1: But you know, I I have to
2: say the individuals that you work with are fortunate to have you in the position that you are because it's it's just like a football team except maybe a little more serious. The, the, you can't, People can't afford to cut corners in the business that you are in and the profession that you are in. They have to be prepared for everything. Otherwise, things can get out of control, out of hands, bad things – can happen, so they're they're fortunate to have someone like you who's not going to let them
0: <laughs> let up or slip up. Like I said, in, in football, you you don't come to practice prepared. You might lose a game. You know, in my profession, if you you come to work and you're not doing the things you're supposed to be doing, or uh, you get complacent, people can get hurt or worse. And um, you know that's a big model of ours. We want to see everybody go home to their families. Yeah. Um, so. I do take that personal and and making sure people are, you know, up to snuff with the things they need to do and how they need to operate in the facility so we can all go home to our families.
2: Uh, fortunate in one respect, though, in that Garner is one of the newer facilities, uh, not just in the state but in New England and in the tri-state areas. So that's that's a good thing.
1: So, well,
0: I mean, there's central, there's central air there, so I, I definitely <laughs> enjoy that, you know, <laughs> as opposed to, um, you know...
1: So, so, uh, yeah. So, yeah Greg, ahead, so, Greg, we can't have a podcast with Greg, ba- Greg Boucher on here without having your favorite coach John
0: Servino story,
1: since Coach has been on
0: here already. Wow, um, man! And this is PG, right? I'll, I'll have to. Uh,
1: we can. I think uh, Pooch can bleep we can some stuff if he has to. Back there. <laughs> can you bleep stuff out? Oh yeah, oh, yeah we can bleep stuff.
0: Man, uh, and, you know what's <laughs> funny is that you know when this thing goes out and all my buddies see it, they're going to go, oh, why don't you tell this one? Why don't you tell that one? um you know the the one that comes to mind right right away without um so so my freshman year i get to camp and um jim sharp was actually my roommate in camp iron and ed in iron, Gros- yeah. grosso hall and uh it, it was the stupidest thing i'm in the i'm in the bathroom and my front tooth is fake i knocked it out when i was a kid playing badminton of all things and i go i go to open up a bar of soap and i in the bathroom and i bit it and my tooth flies <laughs> out of my mouth and goes in the sink and i'm like oh my god like, what the hell just happened? I pick it up, and um, we're in camp, and I, I go to Coach Servino, and I say, hey, um, my tooth came out. You know, I need to make an appointment, to go to the dentist. And he starts laughing at me. He's like, what do, what do you mean? I said, I want to put my tooth back in my face. I, I don't want to go to school like this, you know? Because, ah, you look tough. Like, keep it in there. Or, or don't don't put it in there. I, you know, and I'm a you know, freshman in college. I, who <laughs> wants to walk around like some, you know, toothless hillbilly for freshman year in college? So, <laughs> I said, Coach, you know, I, you know, and I'm, I'm obviously I'm nervous. I don't want to, you know, overstep my bounds. But I, I was like, you know, I, I don't want to do this. So I said, well, when when would be a good time for me to go get this done? He said, well, you know, after Thanksgiving. So you know, <laughs> so that was just the kind of guy. So I I ended up sneaking off one day, skipping school, and getting the tooth put back in. Thankfully, and <laughs> I was always scared. I was always scared to like you know, open my mouth around because I I wanted to put two and two together. Like, hey, how would you get that tooth put back in your mouth? But um, at first he thought I was, you know, you must have been housing in the, in, in the dorms and all that stuff. I said, no, like, I got bit a thing of soap and it, it obviously sounded stupid how it happened. But th- that's the truth of it. And, um, you know, obviously there's got a hundred thousand stories I could tell. And I'm sure we all have our our Servino stories. But there was I, t- I talk about him to this day. The people I work with who have no concept of John Servino and they still they'll they'll ask me, hey, tell me that story about this or tell me that story about that and um just a extremely unique individual and um you know i, w- I was glad i played for him because um obviously you know he was uh, a no frills hard work um to a fault you know just you know go hard you know or go home type of attitude um but just I-, I think now after school all the all the stories and, and a lot of times when i get together with guys i played with the, the bulk of our conversations aren't about this play or that play or the games we won—it's—it's it's all these little Servino isms and and things like that that we encountered over those years.
2: Yeah, well, it's <laughs> it's it's great when it, you you could be in the midst with a former teammate about arguing about how something went, and then all of a sudden, all you got to do to lighten the mood is go, "Hey, do you, <laughs> you remember when Coach Servino yada yada yada?"
0: Yeah. Whew, suddenly. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's and that's one of the big things I enjoyed about you know going to homecomings and bumping into people uh, before me, you know that had you know that would bring other stories about Servino to the light and talk about things that you know when he was they were there and this that you know thing and you know it's um I, I don't think he knows how many great memories he made off the field for for the people he coached you know
1: yeah and then ultimately on the field last year 10 and 0 you know what I mean kind of tied it all with a bow in his his career here too.
0: Yeah, yeah, I say uh, it was it was a good standoff, and yeah, uh, I was I was disappointed. in mean, how all the things went behind the scenes, you know, is what it is. But I, I was disappointed that he had left. Um, I, I I enjoyed playing for him. I enjoyed his style, and um, you know, kind of what he brought to the table of you know the no BS brand. And I was a, a big proponent of that. I enjoyed that. So,
1: what was the big difference when Coach Sarace came in?
0: Whew. Uh, um obviously just approachability personality you know i think a lot of things shifted i think you could feel i mean you you coached under servino so you know how you know brutal he could be with coaches and and players alike i i think the staff that we had there was just kind of relieved to you know almost kind of had the tyrant gone in the sense and, and it was um a lot more lax of an environment um in terms of not that we didn't work hard not that we didn't have expectations and everything like that but i think we had um you know an accomplished group of guys my senior year i'm sorry my junior year that class was you know there was that senior class my junior year was about 25 uh kids you know matt lefevre and all those guys so we had a ton of leaders on there and and um the transition between that and serace was I, i think it was just more of a um a comfortable environment if you will
1: yeah the table is set obviously for you guys
0: yeah and and, and not taking anything away from coach Serace. i think he did a lot of things opening up that offense and introducing you know i mean i was like i said you coach with servino we were were kind of a you know a very basic you know vanilla team and i think serace when he had the that, that talent he went out and kind of Opened up the doors and we we scored a ton of points and did a lot of different things on offense that at the time in 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 two thousand were, were pretty innovative for for that era.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, so what happened to the Springfield game that year? That's the cool. one Coach Saray his biggest regret was that Springfield you know losing to Springfield that year in that shootout was that tough um, option wise was that just a like tough to
0: manage? So so as I remember it, uh, we. You know, I, I think that was obviously our, our – we pegged that game as one of our, our big, you know, we got to win that game. I think we can – you know, obviously got to play every game. But that was when we kind of circled on the calendar is if we can get past that, I think we'll, we'll be able to to make another big run. And as I remember, there was – we kind of tinkered with, you know, the coaches had gone to some clinic and, and saw the way they were playing the option at that level, and they tried to make a couple adjustments. And, and I, I think it was just a – a bad defensive scheme that we played it was um you know for myself i, I was basically playing three gaps you know, on the nose <laughs> guard i would move me down the center and it was kind of you know and not that i would not that i shied away from the responsibility but a lot of it was based on me being able to play you know basically b2b yeah. and, and play the fullback and still penetrate and do things and uh, we thought that we would you know kind of go to a, a three-man front and, and put more speed at linebacker and you and ultimately i i think it was just kind of a, a schematic thing that that broke us and you know it was obviously it was a barn burner and i you know it's, it's real tough as a defensive player to look across at, at your offense that scores 50 points and still lose a yeah. game you yeah. know and uh that's interesting cause I, I,
1: yeah because i never heard it, really a lot about this game so that's interesting
0: that's i mean so we switched up and we had never been a, a we were always a four three and we that week we kind of switched up and you know it was um I think at halftime they made the adjustment, and there was just a lot more fullback and everything like that, and, um, and a lot more give on a dive, and, and they just kind of pounded and broke a couple big runs. I mean, they, they were, they, you know, not taking anything away from them. Springfield, you know, that triple option that they ran, how they blocked for, it, and they had, you know, the the three-headed monster back there with the the kid Kevin Cahill was the quarterback. He was he was a fantastic athlete, and uh, I think Miller was the the fullback or whatever. So they had some talent too, but I, I think schematically we kind of outthought ourselves instead of just lining up and playing.
2: For you, uh, it, it it had to be a rewarding career to, to to accomplish all the things, get those victories, be a part of that, as Coach mentioned, that that second golden era of uh, of West Con football. So I I wonder, are there, you know, you, you mentioned the Springfield game, but are there any real regrets? Because it, it would seem that you got to be a part. Of one of the the best chunks of Wisconsin football in the program's history.
0: I mean, when you you look at it from from the outside looking in, now I don't have any regrets that uh, keep me up at night. I, I met some of the best people I ever met in my life. Guys, I'm you know best friends with to this day. Um, but to go back in time, I, I think as an athlete, you always look back and you always think. And, and I was kind of a kid. I, I worked my ass off. I worked hard in the weight room. I ran. I did everything I had to do. I went above and beyond, I think, at the time. But you always look back and say, man, did did I did I really push myself hard enough? Did I dominate every rep like I could have? And, you know, when I look back at personally myself, there was times in games um when I would just say to myself, like, like, kick this guy's ass, and I would do it. And I would, you know, why didn't I play that way every single rep? You know what I'm saying? Why didn't I play why didn't I come across the ball with that mindset every single rep um you know and those are things that you'll take with you, you kind of regret like you were capable of doing it 90 percent of the time why don't you do it 100 of the time um so personally i regret you know some of those reps where you know i knew what i was capable of and how dominant i could be why wasn't i dominant every rep every play for four quarters in every game um but you know th- th- that was then but I, as a team regrets the only thing i do regret is we played rowan and rowan was always the you know the fabled villain and you know big tough rowan and they were the ones that you know the spotlight of division three football was in rowan and we played them my senior year and, and we i think we were kind of grossly outmatched talent wise i wish the team my junior year was able to play rowan my senior year you know what i'm saying I wish, I wish that team that team deserved a shot at, at the champ And um, that would have been nice to see. That would have been a great game to be part of, you know, toe-to-toe with the best. And we brought our best to that game. I regret those guys didn't have a chance to play against Rowan.
2: Right, But you you did mention, uh, so you you play, you know, blank to the wall, 90%. Why can't it be 100%? Did you ever run into somebody who really could do it 100%? Uh,
0: I mean, you know, there's guys who, you know, went hard and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I think, you know, I, looking back, it's, you know, not that I never, I didn't play hard, but I, I think that when you're capable of doing, you know, above and beyond, when you, you believe that you have that capability in you to dial it in every play, I, I think that was something that, that bothered me. I think I my, my baseline playing was at a high level, but I always believed that, if and when I could flip that switch to, to, to do just that little bit more, to go a little bit harder, to bring that, that little bit more intensity that caused, you know, when those great plays happen, like that's when I did those things. When I, when I made that stack that we had to have, it was like I dialed into just that extra bit, and I wish I could have found a way to do that all the time, to have that dial in on every single play. And I don't know if that's possible or not, but that's yeah. kind of what you regret when you look back on it.
2: I'm going to tell you, no, nobody, nobody could tell. Greg,
0: that that
2: you weren't <laughs> dialing it in every time. Yeah, you know, I'm going to tell you, especially the offenses you were facing. Hey, they couldn't tell. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> but look, um, right. for you, one of the best guys to to ever play during that time, and you got to work with two fine. Coaches, two head coaches uh, during your time there—that doesn't often happen either. Coach Law—that you know, sometimes if coaches are switched during someone's stay at a school during their four years, they may not be so lucky. So uh, you know, you roll the dice a lot of times, and, and things worked out. Things worked out okay. That's why you're such a great message guy because you believe in yourself and you believe in that, that entire concept there, you can be a part of a positive process. You, you, you're done. Okay. Greg Boucher.
0: <laughs> I pre, you know, and I, I think that's, that means the most to me, um, kind of coming out of that whole thing and, and just being in, in the position that I am, you know, that I'm, you know, I, I have a, a wife, I've got kids and I got a good job and, and, you know, I've got friends for life and, you know, in the in the moment, you don't realize that football will always be secondary later on in life, um, and that what Westcon gave me more than all Americans and trophies and all that stuff was uh, a way to make a living and also the best friends I've, I'll have for the rest of my life. And I, I think that's you can't put a price tag on that.
2: Greg, you're gonna you're gonna come back and talk to the team at some point in time, right?
0: I would love to, yeah.
2: Because uh, and we'd love to we'd love to see it. You know, homecoming will be what the twenty fourth. I don't know. Of September, <laughs> coach, coach, <laughs> coach has no idea. He's not looking at the schedule. He's looking at the all next right. practice and what he's breaking down and and all that stuff. But I know uh, Hall of Fame night is the twenty third of September, and then uh, homecoming will be the twenty fourth because it's a big road year for the football team, right, coach? Oh yeah,
1: road warriors can't wait. <laughs> Seriously, can't wait! Last time we had six on the road, four at home. We started off eight zero. No. So, so hey, it's what it is. We don't care.
0: Different mind, yeah, Nothing you can do about it. Different mindset. And we don't care.
2: But uh, but we certainly would always love to see your imposing figure uh, and bright smile at yes, uh, at uh, at Westcott and at the facility. Because again, if you you guys make the program, you guys sell the program. And, and the university and it's look it, it's it's not as though you're you're selling fluff and utter you know you're you're selling substance in the football program and the university so it's it's much appreciated, Greg. Uh,
0: I mean, if I could before when I was um, the coach at UConn at, at the time when they were basically telling me we got to move on from you. He said to me, listen, man, I know this sucks. I know you're hurting. I know this is where you thought you were going to end up. He's like, but, um, you know, everybody, every kid playing football wants to end up at, you know, Michigan or Ohio State. He's like, what you got to do now is go find your Michigan, your Ohio State somewhere else. And I always told the recruits that I found that at WestCon. I found my Michigan. I found my Ohio State here. And, um, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is, is that. You you make you make your school your time. You're there. You make that your Michigan, your Ohio State, your Notre Dame, and, and uh, Westcon was that for me. Yeah, I didn't know it at the time, and until later on, but um, that's what it became for me. Awesome,
1: definitely your Ohio State and not your Michigan in my eyes, though. So.
0: Yeah, 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 whatever your preference is. <laughs>
2: Well, Greg, I can't thank you for enough for spending some some time
1: with us. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on here. And We always I enjoyed
0: it, man. Anytime I can talk football, West County football, and everything like that—the uh, nostalgia and everything—is great. So I appreciate you guys having me on. I really do.
2: And the next time, you'll have some more, you know, Servino stories for us, right?
0: Like I said, we you know, if we could definitely you could. Guarantee we could have a sensor button and all that stuff. I'll, I'll have plenty more Servino. Oh, for don't, you.
2: don't, do not, do not worry. Pooch behind the glass has more beeps, boops, bops, and schnitzels <laughs> than, right. than you could ever um, imagine. The, ki- the kids at home won't be embarrassed. Don't uh, worry. We,
0: we, should, we could have a whole forum on uh, all the Servino We'll have a whole podcast dedicated to that, you
2: know. <laughs> We'll get a million viewers, uh, yeah. 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 And, and we and we will. Greg, again, thanks so much. We look forward to seeing you um, on campus again soon. I
1: appreciate yeah. yeah, that. Take you. care.
2: Yeah. It was great to talk to Greg Bouncer here on the WestCon Football Podcast. Bart Pasternak, Coach Joe Loth, Pooch, as always, behind the glass and its safety glass. Okay, just want to point that out. He is safe at all times, folks. From uh, you, yes. Yes, from me. Because it, it, he knows, he always has to remind, Bart, you do the streaming, stick, whack yourself on the head, tell people they can catch. If they can't make it to the stadium for one reason or another, if they can't get out to the whack, silly them, they can always catch WestCon football on the stream. The stream. It's magnificent. The crew here, phenomenal. Media services, the best. We've got great sponsors, and we have Coach Los Wolves out there, and it's Bridgewater State coming around. More MassCAC conference activity. Bridgewater State's been picking up the offense. They're still having some troubles on D, but throw the records out the window, baby. It's conference time.
1: Yeah, no question. Everybody on our team knows how talented Bridgewater State is. Uh, we know offensively it'll be by far the best offense we've faced this year. And, uh, and defensively it'll be as talented, uh, maybe the most talented, it's up there with William Patterson as far as the talent they have on the defensive side of the ball. So we know we're in for a Huge matchup. We know that they're a talented football team, and uh, we're we definitely got to be ready to play.
2: Yeah, they, you know, they got into a, a bit of a, a shootout with Plymouth. Their their last timeout only fell by a touchdown to Plymouth State, the Panthers. And right now, it just appears one issue for them. I'm looking at is that they've really only highlighted one back. Everybody could point to, to stats. They, they could point to Blasky on our end and say, well, look, he's doing the bulk of the carry. Yeah, I know. But while they've utilized so many receivers, Coach Loth, through their first three games, they've really been dependent on one back to get her done. And, and that may pose a problem for them down the
1: stretch. Well, I'll tell you what, that one back they have and Adam Couch is one of the best backs in the country in the conference he's outstanding he's division two transfer kid but they do have a second back number 33 if you watched uh the Plymouth state closely the game he had a a really big run at the end that really he dragged three or four guys to the one yard line but they uh you know they are a really systematic uh football team on offense probably the same coaches running it or the same system for 20 years answers for everything you do this they'll do that you do this they'll do that uh, their entire offense is back from last year, so such a talented team. And they really – you know what's interesting about the Plymouth game is they outgained Plymouth by maybe 200 yards. Like if you look just at the pure stats, you're like Bridgewater wins this football game, but they gave up a kickoff return to Plymouth State, and, uh, and Plymouth State kind of kept hanging around, hanging around, and then kind of got it at the end. So it was, it was definitely a deceptive game if you look at statistically uh, how that game ended up.
2: Yeah, and that's why I say throw records out the window. So we got to keep an eye on the Pointer Kid uh, behind Couch on the on the running back side because uh, they may have tweaked or sparked a little something there that could make him more effective and make him an extra tool, so to speak, in this upcoming contest.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. We know that uh, besides the Couch Kid, that, that number 33 kid is a talented kid too. So they definitely they got good players all over the place. And they're, they're a uh, – you know, they – Big, the biggest state school in the Mass Act, they have a you know a tremendous pool of talent to, to pull from. They got great facilities. I mean, they are a talented football team.
2: Yeah, I should point out so, that my, that Couch is is also a receiving back. He's not he's not a one trick pony back.
1: Yeah, he'll run a lot of wheels out of the backfield. I mean, he's uh, they do a good job in offense.
2: Yeah. Now defensively, where again, special teams have contributed to some of the high point accumulations of the opposition over their first three games here defensively how do they set up and go after you coach
1: well you know it's interesting they you know kind of have a Westcom plan they utilize uh you know they've uh year in and year out and uh we're excited to play these guys you know you look at them defensively and they've given up some yards they've given up some points but they've played some pretty good teams too they get, played a top 25 team in Ithaca uh, they played a really talented uh, University of New England team. Then Plymouth State has a, what much improved on offense. They got a talented quarterback and stuff like that. So they're not just, uh, you know, giving up points to untalented football teams. They're you know they're they're playing some really good football teams too.
2: Yeah, they don't they don't duck people when it comes to their non-conference kid either. Because uh, I believe they opened up with Ithaca I think this year, right? That was their, that was their first game. And so, yeah, yeah. Ithaca. yeah Ithaca. So they, 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 you know, they're, they're not there like you, you know, you want to play good teams. You want to play quality teams.
1: It's the only way to get
2: ready for the conference, right?
1: Without a doubt. The, the, the higher, the quality team, you play non-conference the, you know, the better it sharpens you up for your conference. And once again, you're trying to get in some ways exposed in the non-conference. So you can see where you need to, you know, uh, iron out your flaws. And that's they definitely were able to do that and show that in their non conference because they played some talented teams that really did.
2: It's a twilight game. You like those twilight games, don't you?
1: You know what's interesting? I love night games because everybody who's been to Western Connecticut and watched a night game uh, realizes it's a special atmosphere. Maybe the, the best small college atmosphere in New England. There's nothing that's going to compare to our, our homecoming atmosphere. And it's crazy. We have a rule in the Mascot, It may be the only conference in the country that we're not allowed to play conference night games at home on Saturdays unless we get pre-approved. And uh, I don't know why that is. So, to, you know, And obviously, homecoming allows us to play a night game or sometimes three games on the turf does. But playing at night in conference uh, at home is a special atmosphere at the WAC. It's it's better than any small college I've coached at, and it's comparable to any some of the bigger schools I've coached at too.
2: Uh, throw into it, it's homecoming weekend, because uh, the day before there are the uh, the home, the Hall of Fame inductions uh, that will be held at the Amber Room Colonnade, and guy who's been a guest on our podcast Jamie, here, Jamie, Jamie Prunty. Prunty, will uh, yeah. will get his long overdue honors for being inducted, the sackmaster master himself. Well, we'll be getting in. And then, uh, then Saturday, the game, because there'll be more activity at the WAC earlier on in the day. But then we get that 5 o'clock. Twilight Game at the West Side Athletic Complex. I love that atmosphere. You just mentioned you you love that atmosphere. And I know for some people they get eh, me, city me, me, me. Shush. <laughs> it's, it's football, it's at the whack, and it's the Wolves baby playing in a in another big conference game.
1: And really, you know, you'll, you'll you know, you, you, you play college football, you coach college football and you go to college football to be in atmospheres like we'll have Saturday night. So our guys will be excited. I know Bridgewater will be excited. Uh, it's it's, it's just such a unique atmosphere. and It'll be a ton of energy, you know, for the game.
2: Have you had to reorient the players that they're back home?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Like we didn't have to do any bus schedules. We didn't have to talk about pregame meals and all that stuff. It was. It's been an interesting week as far as kind of getting back to normal. It's been nice.
2: Well, it's been nice to get two Ws in a row going into this one. We want everybody to join us if you can't be at the West Side Athletic Complex. A reminder: join us on the street. We'll be there. We'll be bringing the game to you live as it unfolds but uh, we want to see everybody at some point at the west side athletic complex this particular campaign only four home games six on the road three travel dates are thankfully gone goodbye (laughs) so uh, it's back at home this week we want you to join us coach uh, i know i'll get to say "heidi ho before the game and everything, but in advance, and for everybody out there, we want to wish you the absolute best. Marvelous job so far. The tweaking, the this, the that, it's all going on. We can see the progress at work. We can see the advancement of these Wolves this particular season. So looking forward to a Hall of Fame weekend and this homecoming game.
1: Yeah, well, I appreciate it. And uh, like I said, we're, we're looking so forward to playing Saturday. Looking forward to seeing some of my former players here, too, because all those guys, we've got a ton of alumni coming back. A lot of times I'll see them right before the game, stick their head in the office and stuff. So I'm excited to see our former players, too.
2: Yep. Let's howl on Saturday <laughs> at the Whack, everybody. The Wolves are back in town. Bart Mastruna for Coach Loth. Pooch behind the glass. We will welcome you this Saturday On the stream, don't you forget, this has been the WestCon Football Podcast.
0: The WestCon Football Podcast is a production of WCSU Media, engineered by Peter Puccio and produced by Scott Polpe. Listen and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us find new listeners. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at WCSU Podcasts, And feel free to reach out to us by email at podcasts at wcsu.edu. Thanks for listening.